One of the highlights of Seder night is when we reach the upbeat song Dayenu. Having got through an eclectic range of midrashic commentaries on various aspects of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and let me say, it will depend on your levels of patience as to how fed up you are by then. Whatever the case may be, you'll definitely welcome the opportunity to sing Dayenu at the top of your voice to the familiar jaunty tune. And by that time, no matter the amount of prep your kids or grandchildren have put into Divrei Torah, you've got your eye firmly on the clock, and you'll be thinking to yourself, let's just sing Dayenu and get on with the job. For this exact reason, I've decided to devote this year's Shabbos HaGodl Drosha to examining and unpacking Dayenu. I really hope that some of the lessons we learned together during this year will continue to resonate long enough so that you're still thinking about them as you sing Dayenu at your Seder. And let me just say this, I know that as I sing Dayenu at my Seder this year, together with Sabine and our children, along with our friends who will be with us, I will definitely be thinking about what we learnt together in this shir, and of course of you. Allow me to introduce the shir by going over the Dayenu song so that we understand its meaning. Dayenu begins with a statement of gratitude, a kind of proclamation, which means that there were so many steps that God granted us and from which we benefited in the process of our redemption from slavery in Egypt and for our introduction into the world of being God's chosen nation. And each of those stages, each of those steps stands out on its own, totally independent from any of the others. And the song goes on to list every one of those steps. Had God brought us out of Egypt and not punished the Egyptians for having persecuted and killed us, that would have been enough. Had God punished the Egyptians for having persecuted and killed us, but not obliterated their gods, that would have been enough. Had God obliterated the Egyptian gods, but not killed their firstborn sons, that would have been enough. Had God killed their firstborn sons but not given us their wealth, that would have been enough. Had God given us their wealth but not split the Red Sea for us, that would have been enough. Had God split the Red Sea for us but not led us through it on dry land, that would have been enough. Had God led us through the Red Sea on dry land and not drowned our persecutors, that would have been enough. Had God drowned our persecutors in the Red Sea but not provided for our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, that would have been enough. Had God provided for our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, but not given us the mon to eat, that would have been enough. 
Had God given us the man to eat, but not given us the gift of Shabbos, that would have been enough. Had God given us the gift of Shabbos, but not brought us to Mount Sinai, that would have been enough. Had God brought us to Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah, that would have been enough. Had God given us the Torah, but not brought us into Eretz Yisrael, into the land of Israel, that would have been enough. Had God brought us into Eretz Yisrael, into the land of Israel, but not built the holy temple for us, Dayenu, that would have been enough. And after all of those steps, all of those Dayenus, the song ends with a summary. How much more must we be thankful to God for all the manifold blessings He has showered upon us? Because, do you know what God did for us? He took us out of Egypt. He punished the Egyptians for having persecuted and killed us. He obliterated their gods. He killed their firstborn sons. He gave us their wealth. He split the Red Sea for us. He crossed us through it on dry land. He drowned our persecutors. He looked after us for 40 years in the wilderness. He fed us man. He gave us the gift of Shabbos. He brought us to Mount Sinai. He gave us the Torah. He brought us into the land of Israel. And he built the holy temple for us so that we can always be forgiven for our sins. And that's it. That concludes the song of Dayenu. What an amazing song of affirmation. What a declaration of love and appreciation. Surely Dayenu has to go down in the books as one of the most incredible songs of faith of all time. Well, possibly. But before we reach that conclusion, there are a lot of questions we need to answer. Here are some questions about Dayenu for you to think about. What does Dayenu really convey? Does it really make sense to say that it would have been okay for us to leave Egypt but not to receive the Torah? If that had happened, would we really have been Jews of faith? Or would we have just been a plain old nation? And would we have been Jews of faith if we didn't have Shabbos every week? And how is it even possible for us to say that we didn't need to go to Eretz Yisrael? Really? Not go to Eretz Yisrael? Can you imagine being Jewish without the land of Israel? But here we are at Seder night, one of the most important Jewish holiday highlights, singing Da Da Yenu, Da Da Yenu, Da Yenu, Da Yenu. Are you kidding me? Why, why are we so happy singing those words? How does it make any sense? Two of the greatest medieval rabbinic scholars, Rashba and Ritva, both answer these questions at length, and they both arrive at the same conclusion. The meaning of Dayenu is not that at any one stage it would have been enough for us, no. The reason we say each Dayenu is to acknowledge the fact that at each stage of the journey we were not worthy of gaining the benefit of the next stage. And yet, despite that undeniable fact, God, in his unbelievable kindness and mercy, granted us the next level and the next one and the one after that. That's why, as an expression of our gratefulness, for each stage we say, Dayenu, God, you didn't need to go the extra mile, we didn't deserve it, but you went the extra mile, even though 
it was a Dayenu situation. We were in way over our heads. Nevertheless, God went above and beyond. The Malbim takes this idea even further and says that it is important for us to understand the complexities of each and every situation in our lives, and also when considering historical events in all their details and aspects, because sometimes we're so focused on the final result that we forget that it took many stages for us to get to that final desired result. Of course, at the end of it all, the Jewish nation descendants of the patriarchs were going to end up in Eretz Yisrael and build a Beis Amikdosh. That's what God promised to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. But at any stage of the way, as almost happened on more than one occasion, God could have said, Ad kan yoter. I've had enough and you don't deserve it. You have forfeited your right to the fulfillment of those promises. And do you know what that means? It means that we have to thank God for each and every stage, because every stage, every step of the way was a critical component in getting us to where we finally ended up. And in fact, this idea of the Malbim is the core message of the Sedanite. So much has happened to the Jewish nation since God redeemed us from slavery in Egypt over 3,300 years ago and gave us the Torah at Mount Sinai to the extent that we might think that talking about such ancient history is irrelevant. Maybe it is even a distraction, but despite that, we are compelled on Seder night to imagine us if we, you and me, left Egypt together with the freed Israelite slaves, not as observers, but as one of them. And you know why? Because without that pivotal moment, way back when, you wouldn't be you and I wouldn't be me. We wouldn't be Jews celebrating Pesach, sitting down at Seder night and yearning for the Korban Pesach in the Beit HaMikdash. That's why we sing Dayenu and that's why we have Seder night, so that we can say, thank you Hashem. We need to realize that it could have been Dayenu at any stage of the way, but here we are. Hashem, thank you. Okay, so what the Malbim says is a beautiful idea and I love it. But forgive me if I insert a little fly into the ointment, because not all the stages for which we sing Dadayenu actually work with the Ritva, the Rashba, and the Malbim's explanation. Let me just give you a couple of examples. We say, Had God split the Red Sea for us, but not led us through it on dry land, that would have been enough. Really? That would have been enough? How would it have been enough? The sea splits and we stand there like dummies watching it split. And after that, the seawater comes back together. And then guess what happens? We all get killed by the Egyptian army. I mean, what would have been the use of that? Or take this one. Had God brought us to Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah, Dayenu, that would have been enough. What are you talking about? How is it enough to go sightseeing, to see an unimpressive mountain in the middle of a desert? There we all are, waiting to receive the Torah, and God says, uh, I'm sorry guys, you're not getting it. I changed my mind. And what do we say back to God? Well, if we take the Dayenu text literally, we say, no problem, it's okay God. And then we all burst forth into song. Da, Dayenu, da, Dayenu, Dayenu, Dayenu. What's going on here? It's a comedy. It's a farce. The simplest answer to these questions is this. 
that it's always a privilege to be present at a moment of greatness. Let me tell you a story. When I was about 10 years old, I went to watch Prince Charles and Lady Diana's fairy tale wedding as a spectator outside St Paul's Cathedral in central London. There were thousands of people who were there with me outside the cathedral as the wedding took place inside. Now, not one of us was invited to the wedding. Like, we didn't even know what was on the menu or what wine they were serving with the meal. But the truth is, we all felt privileged to witness a great moment. That for us was Dayenu. And it was the same with Kriyas Yamsuf. For the Jewish people to have witnessed the most incredible miracle ever to occur, the splitting of an entire sea, even if nothing else happened, that incredible moment was a real Dayenu moment. The Jewish nation encountered God's almighty power firsthand. We literally witnessed it with our own eyes. And so we can say Dayenu. And for the Jewish people to stand at the foot of Mount Sinai, to witness the heavens meet the earth in preparation for the most sublime moment in human history, the moment when the Torah was going to be given, that too was a Dayenu moment. Do you know what? At that moment, as a result of us standing there, we were fully prepared to receive the Torah. Because without standing at the foot of Mount Sinai and going through that experience, we would never have made it to the next stage when we actually received the Torah. So we say, thank you, Hashem, Dayenu. We understand how important this stage was in the process that led us to the final destination. And on that note, I want to reference this incredible lesson for something that has happened in our own times in recent history. I'm talking about a factor in Jewish life that is a source of much contention and of tremendous controversy. Dayenu can actually help us understand it and form a religious view of it that truly fits in with our ancient faith. Over the past 100 years or more, we have seen the return of the Jewish nation to the land of Israel in unprecedented numbers. We have seen the rebirth of Jewish sovereignty in the land of its heritage, Eretz Israel. We have seen the growth of Torah study and an explosion of numbers of those who keep mitzvot and recognize the obligations of the Jewish faith. But at the same time, and it's painful to acknowledge this, things are far from perfect. Those who control the state of Israel largely don't respect Jewish law, nor do they live their lives under the rubric of Jewish tradition. And even worse than that, many Jews in Israel and around the world continue to reject the Torah, or at least the practical aspects of it, which they think interferes with the way they lead their lives. And there is hatred among Jews. And there is hatred against Israel. And there are existential threats. Moshiach hasn't come yet. And we have not rebuilt our Beis Amikdosh on Harabait. Honestly, there are so many reasons for us to be miserable. And there are so many reasons for us not to celebrate the miracle of the State of Israel. We could justifiably say that it's not a miracle because We've not yet got to the final point in the journey. But the Dayenu song at the Seder teaches us an important lesson. It is so profound. It is the key to human contentment. And it is the key to what it means to be a faithful Jew. Of course we all understand that the splitting of the Red Sea would have been meaningless if we didn't walk through the dry land and get saved. 
but had it not split in the first place, we could never have walked through it at all. You need it to split first, and then the Jewish people could walk through it. The splitting of the Red Sea was crucial if we were going to be saved, and then we were saved. The exact same thing is at Mount Sinai. The holiness and the awe of the vibe at Mount Sinai was what enabled us to receive the Torah. Without one, there would not have been the other. Of course, we understand that it was only the lead-up, but without that lead-up, we would never have got the Torah. So we say, Had God split the Red Sea for us, but not led us through it on dry land, that would have been enough. And we say, Had God brought us to Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah, that too would have been enough. And nowadays we can say, God, you've given us the state of Israel. You have allowed us to rebuild Jewish life after the Holocaust. You have enabled us to have Torah study like never before in Jewish history. You have given us the strongest army in the Middle East. You have given our country a powerful economy and a fantastic chance to succeed at every level. So even if Mashiach has not come yet, and even if the Beis Hamikdash has not yet been rebuilt, Dayenu! It's enough, we get it, we're on a path to a greater future. And it goes without saying that when we say this, we're absolutely not saying that we don't want Moshiach, nor are we saying that we don't want the Beis Hamikdash, absolutely not. We pray every single day, May the temple be rebuilt speedily in our days. But nevertheless, we say, Thank you, Hashem for this unbelievable stage that we have arrived at. Thank you, Hashem, for allowing us to witness everything we have seen so far. What a miracle! What a wonder! We appreciate it so much! Dayenu! Reb Shlomo Kalbach had an interesting insight into the splitting of the Red Sea, which he took from the Holy Ishbitzer, Reb Modre Yosef Leiner. The Ishbitzer was one of the great Polish Hasidic Rebbes of the 19th century. The Ishbitzer says that the Red Sea suddenly found itself encountering the entire Jewish nation, a group of people who had been slaves in Egypt for centuries. Less than a week earlier, they were all slaves. Now, in such a short period of time, they'd changed completely from slaves into free people. And their whole demeanor had changed as well, not just their status. It was an amazing transformation, and the Red Sea was stunned. Can you imagine it, says the Ishbitzer, in one week every slave had become a Jew. So the Red Sea said to itself, if they can change, I can change as well. If they can go from the lowest status of all being slaves to the elevated heights of being God's chosen nation, then I can also change from being a watery sea to being dry land. Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach adds something else to this idea. He asks, how did the Jews change so much in such a short period of time? The answer, he says, is that it was because they loved Hashem. The power of love is that it can make you change. Change completely and change fast. The hardest, roughest, most inflexible person becomes as soft as jello because they love their child or their wife or their husband or their parent. And that change happens in a second. Even more than that, the incredible power of love is that it is infectious because it makes other people love as well. And then those other people 
can also change. They are so moved by your love and by how it has changed you that they can love too and then they can change as well. And that's what happened to the Red Sea. The sea was so moved by the Jewish people's love for Hashem and so moved that they had changed because of their love. Do you know what happened? The Red Sea changed as well. The love, the change, it was infectious. That is the lesson of the line in Dayenu, Ilakaralonu Esayom, had God split the Red Sea for us but not led us through it on dry land, that would have been enough, Dayenu. Do you know why it would have been enough? Because that moment alone revealed to us for all time the power of love and the ability to change quickly from one thing to another when the moment calls for it. Just for this lesson we can certainly all say, Dayenu. Rebbe Yitzchok of Berdichev has a beautiful explanation to help us understand the puzzling concept of standing at the foot of Mount Sinai but not receiving the Torah. How could this moment ever have been a Dayenu moment? Rebbe Yitzchok says something so beautiful. For three days the Jewish nation prepared themselves to receive the Torah. Do you know what they discovered during those three days? They discovered that even before they received the Torah, the Torah was already implanted inside them. This was the most profound revelation of all. We already contain the Torah. Receiving it from God was just an extra bonus. Incredible. Rebbe Yitzchak is telling us that being brought to Mount Sinai kick-started the process of self-awareness, opening us up and revealing who we really were. Do you know who we are? We are Torah people. Even before we see one word of Torah, now, before I conclude, let me focus on one last question that might mystify you while you're singing through Dayenu at the Seder. One of the lines in the song is this, Had God provided for our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, but not given us the mon to eat, that would have been enough. How does that line make any sense? Surely God, looking after us in the Midbar, meant giving us mon every day to eat, otherwise we would all have starved to death, right? So what does it mean when it says that God looking after us would have been enough even if he didn't give us mon to eat? In order to unlock the meaning behind this line in Dayenu, we first need to examine the miracle of mon, the miraculous food that appeared every morning for the Jewish nation to eat and survive while they lived in the wilderness for 40 years. The Medrash records that the Mon had a number of unique features. The first is that every family received just enough Mon to feed all of those who were part of that family group. And another thing, the Mon had to be collected each morning, but depending on your merit and mitzvahs, that's how far or close your Mon was to where you lived. If you were on the right track in life, your mon was on your doorstep, but if you were drifting a bit, your mon was further away. Now, I don't know how each person knew which mon was theirs. I've often wondered about that. Maybe they were all individually labelled with names. After all, it was a miracle, so it's possible that the miracle included individual name tags. The point is this. The mon in the wilderness was personal. It was individual. 
It was the ultimate form of what we refer to in Jewish theology as hashgacha protis, God's personal relationship with each and every individual. God could have just created a self-replenishing food bank in the wilderness, and each day you would have gone to the food bank, like going to a supermarket, and picked out what you needed for that day. But God would have done that. If he would have done that, it would have been totally impersonal. You could have thought to yourself, God doesn't really care about me as a person. Would it have been enough to obtain food in this way from a food bank, a supermarket? Of course, it would have been totally fine. And we could have obtained the food and said, Dayenu, we would all have eaten and survived very well for 40 years in the, in the wilderness. But the man meant we were lucky enough to benefit from God's personal interest in us with our individual needs, carefully calculated and calibrated, down to how we were doing in terms of keeping up with what God expected of us. And perhaps this is the most powerful lesson of all to draw out of Dayenu. God cares about you as a person. Yes, that means you. When good things happen to you, or chas and bad things happen to you, God is actually communicating directly with you. He is sending you a personal message, a text, a WhatsApp, and he expects you to receive that message loud and clear. Why did that thing happen? Why did it happen to me in that particular way? How can I make sure that God and me are in harmony with each other? How can I make sure that we are in lockstep? And then we can act accordingly. So in conclusion, we can clearly see how Dayenu is much more than just a happy-go-lucky song with a nice tune and cute lyrics. It turns out that Dayenu is a song which provides us with, a powerful, with powerful ideas about what it means to be Jewish after having gone through an exodus and a revelation at Mount Sinai. And for each one of those lessons, we can say Dayenu, that lesson alone, whichever one we choose, made everything we went through during the exodus story worthwhile. I want to offer you my blessings for a beautiful Pesach. May the powerful themes of Jewish identity and Jewish pride underscore everything that you do this Pesach and every Pesach. And in the merit of our enduring loyalty to the lessons and ideals of this incredible festival, may we all get to see and experience the messianic arrival. Bimheira, Yamenu, Amen. Thank you. Good Yom Tov. Good Yom Tov.